as a town manager, I like anything that supports local economic development, and I think an open access network can help do that. Hello, you are listening to episode 179 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. This week, we take listeners to New Hampshire to the community of Hanover. Chris visits with town manager Julia Griffin. There have been some recent changes in state law that affect what actions local communities can take when trying to improve their connectivity. Hanover plans to use a special assessment district, a new model created by state law, to finance a municipal network. Julia provides details on the model, describes Hanover's open access plans, and talks about the challenges they face. Now here are Chris and Julia Griffin, town manager of Hanover, New Hampshire. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Julia Griffin, the town manager of Hanover, New Hampshire. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Julia, I'm really excited to speak with you. Uh, We're following up a little bit in a tour of New England. We've been talking about what's happening in Maine lately, in Vermont, and I'm excited to get a sense of what's happening in your corner of New Hampshire. Um, Maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about Hanover. Hanover uh, sits right on the Connecticut River, so we we share a border with Vermont. Uh, It's home to Dartmouth College. It's a community of about 11,500 people, which includes the Dartmouth student body. Um, Beautiful uh, rural community, but surprisingly sophisticated for a relatively small New Hampshire town, and and largely because Dartmouth College is here and also uh, a big regional medical center, Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center, is right over the line in in the neighboring city of Lebanon. So we have a lot of professional physicians and academicians here, college administrators, um, uh, but in a beautiful rural setting. Uh, We attract a lot of visitors to the region. Um, We're we're sort of um, surprisingly sophisticated in terms of what we have to offer here uh, relative to restaurants and shopping and theater and and lectures and that sort of thing, Um, and a a community that is very... um, heavily dependent on the internet for communication as a as an academic institution. And just how much of your economy is dependent on presidential campaigns? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love it this time of year because they the candidates are all around us. It's it's very dependent. Uh we have a lot of um campaign visits to this region between um, mid-October and the, the first of the nation primary, which looks like it will happen on the second Tuesday of February, um, and and a very vibrant area in terms of people's involvement in political discourse. Folks expect to be able to press the flesh with candidates. They they readily attend rallies and information sh- sessions, and it's not unusual to be to be sitting in a local cafe just minding your own business, having breakfast when 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 a, a famous candidate walks in to to greet people. So it's a it's a busy place and a state where it's very easy to meet candidates if you if you want to do that. And I think that's an important thing to note as uh, we're going to be talking about what you're doing um, related to broadband. Um, And to get there, we have to talk about something that always annoys us at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, which is uh, in New Hampshire, the state has to authorize anything that you do as a community. Um, It's what we call a Dillon Rules state. And uh, and so I'm I'm curious, what does the state allow you to do in broadband and what can't you do? Um, You know, and we'll talk about the legislation in a minute, but um, that's recently changed some of that. But what historically has been uh, the limitations and the authorizations that you have? 
Uh, as a municipality in New Hampshire, essentially we cannot invest in the um, construction of broadband infrastructure. Uh, and I've been working on this issue, Chris, for the better part of 15 years in this state um, because we hear from our own residents how important it is that they have robust Internet access. And yet, as a municipality, we're not enabled to invest in helping to bring that infrastructure to our to our region. There is a bonding for broadband statute that's in place, but it is so uh, it's so impossible to implement because the telecommunications companies essentially made sure that its ground rules are so onerous that it's virtually impossible for any municipality to take advantage of it. And attempts over the last 10 years to to have a piece of legislation passed that would allow more liberally for communities to bond for broadband. Obviously, if their local legislative body deems it a, a priority, those those efforts have failed. So at this point, there's very little municipalities can do. We're a state with two, essentially two cable television providers. There are a couple of small ones. Um, but they've divided up the state between Time Warner and Comcast um, and have very um, uh, specific rules about when they'll deploy cable, which means that a lot of our rural areas are unserved. And then we're we're dealing with very limited DSL service from Fairpoint, which is our key telephone provider. So the, the options are pretty limited for a community to actively invest in infrastructure to help serve their citizens' Internet needs. Well, I think that maybe one of the reasons that Fast Roads was so important there where the federal government really helped with the Stimulus Act to um, incent a deployment. And so uh, how close is Fast Roads to you? What's your relationship to it? I'm actually on the board of New Hampshire Fast Roads and have been involved with a number of other municipal managers in trying to to bring that project um, to fruition. Uh, the Fast Roads backbone runs right through Hanover uh, down along the Route 10 spine, which runs uh, north-south uh, along the Connecticut River. And one of its key equipment closets is actually located in the lower level of the Hanover Community Center. So we're, we're in an optimal location to take advantage of the existence of that backbone, as are about 21 other communities that are situated along the backbone route. And so this is, I think, brings us up to what just happened in, in an interesting change at the the legislature. I mean, for years, uh, you and others have been encouraging the legislature to give communities more options to make their own investments. And um, and you got, I think, one um, one tool. Not not everything, certainly, that we'd like to see. But um, tell me about what's just changed in the New Hampshire um, tool toolbox for communities. So a bill was adopted by the House and Senate and signed by the governor in July known as House Bill 486, which is an act that authorizes towns and cities to establish special assessment districts um, for the purposes, and these are public facilities, for the purposes of, of serving transportation, sanitary sewer, solid waste, drainage, water, but most importantly, communication infrastructure. Uh, and to essentially create these districts and then bill individuals who reside within the district for a pro rata share of the costs of, of installing that communication infrastructure. And prior to this, we've been able to create districts for water and sewer and sidewalks and streetlights and even for downtown maintenance, but never for communications infrastructure 
nor has the statutes that, that have been on the books for years been as expansive as, as this one is in terms of laying out just how we make these assessment districts uh, work. And so for the first time, I think there is a role here for a municipal entity to help ensure that fiber is installed and that homeowners and businesses have an opportunity to connect to that network. We're actually looking in Hanover at doing this all underground rather than attaching to the poles because the cost of make ready uh, and just the politics of make ready work and pole attachments in New Hampshire is, is expensive and fraught with all sorts of challenges. And from our perspective, if we can trench and install underground conduit and then make it available to an entity like Fast Roads who can bring open access internet service to our residents, that's what we're hoping to do here. Well, I think you'd also have the benefit then of not having to pay those uh, poll fees. And um, I think people, when they're looking at this sort of thing, may forget this is a network that will exist for many decades, and those poll fees are going to add up over time. So if you can get it in the ground, you're probably going to benefit quite a bit. The poll fees are, are, are expensive. Those attachments are also taxable. But in addition, the cost to prepare um, the polls through the make-ready work and permitting process that that can take 12 to 18 months and is is more than half the cost of the of the installation of the project. So we're really looking for how we can do this feasibly, economically for our residents in terms of making it as affordable as possible, but also streamlining the process by doing it ourselves in our own right of way. Now, as I understand, a lot of times like a water project uh, for sanitary um, sewer or for clean water would um, be non-voluntary, that typically everyone has to participate. But uh, this would be a voluntary broadband assessment district, right? Right, it would. Although in order to implement a district, you need 60% of those who will be receiving the service to approve of the creation of the district. So what's going to be critical for us, Chris, is that we, we go out and work with our neighborhoods to ensure that people are, are excited about this prospect and eager to be able to take advantage of, of a, a connection to an open access network. So we have to do a lot of legwork on the ground to, to sell this to our residents. If I was a homeowner, um, how does this work? Do I, can I cut a check up front or just attach it to a long-term payment plan? What are the options that are available to me? I think we would probably offer both. Some people would probably prefer to finance this as part of a home improvement loan. Others would prefer to pay semi-annually as an attachment to their property tax bill. The legislation itself gives us the ability to assess this fee in multiple ways. So I could see us coming up with a hybrid approach, which allows individuals to check which payment process works best for them. And are you guys kind of leading the way on this? Are other communities keeping an eye on what's happening, or is there someone else that's also doing it? Chris, I don't know that we're leading the way, but we're certainly trying to sort of provide a model for what's viable under this current new piece of legislation. And we've got the neighboring community of Lyme, New Hampshire, which is much smaller than Hanover, but has already had their construction plan developed. And and I think they're looking at doing the very same thing. 
That's wonderful. I I don't know if you're aware, there's some folks in um, Idaho in a community called Ammon, and we've talked with them a number of times, and they're looking at using what they call local improvement district, uh, mostly the, the same tools, um, offers the same benefits, I think, and requires people to be um, supportive of it. But this seems like an interesting way of, of building this infrastructure. And, and actually, like you, they're planning on going open access as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, tell me a little yeah. bit about why that's motivating for you. Well, I, you know, I've long been a fan of open access, um, an open access network, because I think it's really important that we provide options for New Hampshire residents. And quite frankly, when you introduce an element of competition, you're also going to be providing them with affordable options. To give you an example of our very own municipality, we, the municipal entity itself, is a customer of the Fast Roads Network. And we previously purchased 20 megabits of internet access monthly at a cost of $1,200 when we had, when we really had no choice. There was one key provider in the area for our municipal facilities. Once we became a customer on the Fast Roads Network, we had uh, the choice of four different internet service providers. We're now purchasing 50 megabits for $460 a month. So more than two times the bandwidth for a, a dynamic set of town facilities at, at, at one-third the cost. And what, what was critical in, in achieving that kind of savings and additional bandwidth is, is the competition that uh, open access introduces to the playing field. And so I like the idea of multiple service providers being able to provide services over open access network. I think it also facilitates a lot of sort of entrepreneurial efforts to to come up with new services that homeowners and small businesses need. And so the Fast Roads Network has from the beginning been committed to open access and we've enjoyed watching it take hold. One of the things that I really like about open access as well is I think it lowers the barriers of entry. And so you can have some local providers that really have a localized focus um, as opposed to just seeing the telecommunications market dominated by firms that are located out of state or even out of the region. Are you seeing any of that? Have you seen um, New Hampshire companies able to become service providers? Absolutely. We've got the one great example is, is a company called Y Valley, which is based just outside of Keene, New Hampshire, in the southwest corner of the state. They've really sort of cornered the market in providing residential internet access for customers on the Fast Roads Network, and they've done it in a really creative way. Um, we have three other providers, two of which are New Hampshire-based, that provide services on the internet through the Fast Roads Network. And, and again, um, anything we can do to foster local economic development is an extra, uh, sort of an extra boost from the system. And we, we see a lot of potential internet applications um, available to residents in a community like this who are pretty receptive to, to doing things over the internet. And so I, as a town manager, I like anything that supports local economic development. And I think an open access network can help do that. Well, it's interesting when you say they've cornered the market on an open access network to corner the market. It basically means you have to have really good services because people still have a choice. It's it's not like one corners the market in, in my neighborhood where, you know, Comcast cornered the market by being the only one that really sells high speed Internet access. Well, and, and they've earned customer support. They have a great customer help center. They're very residential customer oriented. They've benefited from that approach, and I think it's been a successful approach for them. Wouldn't you love to see a half a dozen companies that sort of 
develop that expertise. It, as they compete with each other, they really push each other to continue to improve their services and to make their products as competitive as possible. Right. That's that's certainly the hope. I guess one of the things that I'm curious about with economic development is whether you think um, there's going to be, or do you have uh, areas of town that are like where the local businesses are agitating and really excited to be the first, or do you think it's going to be more of a residential phenomenon to use these districts? As a town manager, knowing that our residential internet needs are significant because there are many people in in the more outlying rural areas of town who have no service, no Comcast cable is available, no Fairpoint DSL is available. They're relying on very spotty satellite service and they're just fit to be tied. So our, our initial focus in terms of trenching and, and running conduit will be to get to those folks. But I can also tell you that we have lots of businesses in the downtown and in-town area, as well as residents who right now have Comcast or or Fairpoint DSL, but are clamoring for, for higher bandwidth. So I I think we're going to be all about how can we be all things to all people here and is in as sort of a, an efficient uh, path of construction as possible. There was a several years where I went out to uh, rock climb in the Rumney area every fall. And yeah. I know that um, one of the things that comes with uh, great rock climbing opportunities is it's, it's poorly served by wireless. So I know you guys have uh, – it's a uh, pretty hard terrain there to get around. But I, I hope to make it back out there and to, to visit you and see what you've done because uh, one of the best diners I've ever experienced was in uh, Plymouth, um, which uh, I think is pretty close to you. And I'm sure that you got some diners to rival it there. Um, yeah, so we do. We have a fabulous place in Hanover called Lou's. There's a wonderful place in Lebanon called the Lebanon Diner. Folks love their diner food in New England and uh, their their lively spots for breakfast and lunch. So um, e- even though this, the wireless service can be spotty, the food is great. Yes, and and soon you know you'll have uh, both this wired access, and then presumably you could do shorter range wireless, which will work. So you'll have everything you need. We're just eager to get started and looking forward to to creating a working model that we hope other New Hampshire communities are going to be able to take hold of and run with. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for coming on and telling us about your approach. Thanks very much, Chris. That was Chris and Julia Griffin, town manager of Hanover, New Hampshire, discussing recent state law changes and Hanover's plans to bring better connectivity to the community. Follow Chris on Twitter, where his handle is at CommunityNets. You can also follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at MuniNetworks.org. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at MuniNetworks.org. We want to thank Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 179 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. <music>